Welcome to the Father Effect Podcast. Stories about the lifelong impact fathers have on men, women, and families. Here's your host, John Finch. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for the Father Effect Podcast. Brought to you by the Father Effect Movie. You can find out more about the movie and me at thefathereffect.com. I'm your host, John Finch, and today I will be joined by Bobby Robbins. Bobby shares his story about his struggle with drugs and alcohol, his amazing prodigal son journey, and how he became the oldest rookie to ever start an opening day in the NHL with the Boston Bruins. I think you're really going to enjoy it. By the way, if you want to reach me, I'm at The Father Effect on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you're brand new to the show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Now, here's my interview with Bobby Robbins. Hey, Bobby. Thanks for joining me today, brother. Yeah, brother. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. So tell me, first of all, like, how'd you grow up? Mom, dad, siblings, where, that type of deal. Yeah, I grew up in northern Wisconsin, in the Northwoods, about an hour north of Green Bay, Wisconsin, and had a real loving family and, you know, grew up in a Christian home. Uh, have a great mom and dad. They're just hardworking, middle-class people and had an older sister and just kind of grew up that that northern Wisconsin, Northwoods uh, lifestyle. And it was a, it was kind of like a storybook setting in, in this Northwoods town. And for me, it was just always playing hockey and, and riding my bike through the neighborhood. So it was, it was a real good upbringing. So was it like, I was talking to someone not long ago, we were doing an interview and they were, I think they were out of, out of Minnesota or Wisconsin or somewhere. And it was that farm, hardworking. I mean, you grew up with like seeing the example of, of your mom and dad working hard, that type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like my town is, it's like 3000 people. It's surrounded by farms. So my school was the farm boys would come in and then, you know, everybody else was just kind of middle-class blue collar. It's a paper mill town. Uh, my mom was a nurse. My dad worked at a college at St. Norbert college in student services. So yeah, it was just a lot of, a lot of long hours, hard work, and pretty much just parents pouring into the kids. That seemed to be the standard. That's cool. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a, that is the ideal <laughs> way yeah, of for sure. being raised. So tell me, how did your dad uh, influence you as a man growing up? So my dad was just a, and still is, he's just a hardworking guy. Like he's, he's old school Northwoods, like grew up in the sticks and, and he just, he works hard. He'll, he'll, you know, when, when the snow comes, he'll get out there and shovel a foot of snow on his own and say like, I don't need a snowblower. Like I got my hands here and he'll go out there and shovel. And uh, that's just what I saw growing up. He was working, he was working at, in student services at a bunch of different universities around the area. And his job was always just to point people in the right direction. So he always was trying to do that to me. And I think I was a big rebel throughout my years and I didn't want any of his, his advice and kind of went my own way, kind of like the prodigal son, but eventually came around to realize that he had a, he had a good head on his shoulders and knew what he was doing. And he just worked hard and set that example that I hope to follow. And I'm learning how to do that myself. And uh, yeah, just always, always supported me in everything I did especially athletically, any, any opportunity. And he just poured into that. Like it was, it was like him giving up his life and just pouring into his kids. And so now I have a kid now I'm trying to do that myself and um, live up to his standard, which he set the bar pretty high, but he just gave us all the opportunities. And they, you know, like I said, they work middle-class, you know, upper middle-class jobs and 
every resource they had, they just funneled back into their kids to give us the best opportunities we could have. Dude, I was going to ask you if you had a prodigal son story, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to hear more about that. But, but before we go there, how did your dad impact and really shape and mold you as a father? So my dad, like I said, he's, he's a character. He's old school, this guy. Like he was doing Christian music before there was Christian music. Like now it's, you know, every other station is Christian pop music. But he was, and this is like the early 90s. He was, he, he somehow found these obscure Christian bands and he was listening to these and I hated it. I was into like skate punk and rancid and just some wicked stuff. But he was just, you know, he was, um, I guess we call it hard-headed sometimes, but it's, it's stick-to-itiveness. As he says, this is how it is. This is how I am, and I'm going to stick to it. So he didn't, he didn't uh, deviate much from that. He said, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer. I listen to Christian music. I don't like that other junk, and this is who I am. And, and we would just, we chirped him all the time, like, what is this stuff you're listening to? And it burned my ears when I listened to it. Um, but he, he just did it and he stuck to it and he was involved in the church and he, he wasn't afraid to be set apart, you know, almost like he rejected the world. And, um, so that's how I, I kind of rejected the world in a, a different way, being like a rebel skater punk kind of guy. But now looking back, he was the, my dad was the original rebel. He's like, he, he just, he's like, I don't need this world. And so now I'm learning all those lessons and that's where I sit now as a believer, I'm like, I am all set with this world. I'll be in it, but I'm not of it. And to see him now still living that way 20 years later, it's just a testament to his stick to and his determination uh, when he believes in something. So that's something I really admire of my dad. Just when he believes in something, he goes for it, and he's not going to be swayed by anybody. You know, it's so that's such an important piece, I think, that as dads, one of the things that I tell my girls all the time, and I was talking about this the other day, early on, I try to get, I would always say, you know, weird is where it's at. Normal is boring. Exactly. Because I wanted them to start to understand, even at an early age, it's totally cool to be different. Because knowing what's coming down the road, especially in high school and in college, and even as young single uh, ladies, it's like, I wanted them to be okay with being different because knowing as a Christian, they were going to be the minority in a big way in this world because of all the, just the chaos that's out there. So I love that dude. That's, that's such a great message. I think that anyone can get from their dad is the courage and the boldness of that lesson. So, so tell me the prodigal son story. What's, how did that uh, all come about? Well, I mean, I, by the time I turned probably 12, 13, 14, you know, I was brought up in a Lutheran church and um, just, just rejected it wholesale. And I was like, I don't believe any of this stuff. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe this Jesus guy. I don't want any of it. I mean, looking back now, I realized what I was doing. I was suppressing the truth and unrighteousness because I, I discovered a lot of things that were sinful that I enjoyed. You know, that's when I got into, I got into drugs and alcohol early and pornography and and chasing girls and just trying to live this life in the world. And I was like, I, I want this way more than I want that holy stuff. I'm all set with that, you know? And that's why I started looking at my dad and be like, I don't want to be like that. You know, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm a cool guy. I'm going to live in the world. And, and so that rebellion followed me. I mean, up until I was 35 is when I got saved. So um, the prodigal son, I guess, is, is me just going and experiencing the world 
and not only uh, the prodigal son of, you know, rebelling from my own father, but also rebelling from my heavenly father. And I mean, that's the, that's the big one. So I just rejected him. And it, it was, it was kind of like, kind of like the prodigal son when, when he's looking at these pea pods or the, these pig pods, he's saying, man, I could be eating these. And I got to that place of desperation, which we can get to a, a little, you know, when you hear more of my testimony, but I got to a place where I was, I was dead in the dirt with nothing, nothing except for my impending doom and uh, a suspicion that I was probably going to go to hell because God was showing me my sinful heart. And all throughout that rebellion, I thought I was a good guy. I was like, I, why can't they be more like me? You know, I'm such a good guy, but by the grace of God, he showed me who I really am and, and just the depths of my sin and my heart. And so God brought me to that place where I was like, I got nothing. I got nothing to offer you. I got nothing. And, and that's when I came back. That's when I saw those pods and said, I'm going to go back to my father. Maybe he'll accept me. And, and he just, he put a robe on me, man, and, and adopted me as a son. It's pretty amazing. So, dude, give me part of that testimony. What was it? Was it a, a, a number of different things that happened through your life? And like you were, like for me, I bought into everything that the world says you need to be as a man. Success, power, money, blah, 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 right? Yeah. And, and I was so scared to really face that monster in the mirror that I'd created. And so I was, I was having too much fun running from God instead of running toward him. Was that similar to what you experienced? Or, or give me that, that story. Yeah, for sure. So I was a pro hockey player. You know, I played played nine years pro hockey, and um, I was, you know, I was in college playing D one hockey, and I was like, hockey is it? Hockey is everything. You know, I don't care about anything else. You know, and I, so I just became consumed with that success. That became my idol. I was achieving that worldly success, athletic success, and I, I achieved that. You know, I'm playing D one hockey my senior year just through all this hard work. And I put in the work and I, I was like, I did this. My strength did this. And I, you know, I did, I, I showed up, I put in the work. Now I know that God had his hand all over it like, the entire time, obviously. But I, I put in all this work over four years playing D1. And all of a sudden I, I'm the captain my senior year. I'm the leading scorer. I'm the MVP. I'm the male student athlete of the year. I'm having all these worldly accolades and, and success. And I go and I, I signed an NHL contract with the Ottawa Senators and I finally, I get paid to play hockey. And, and it was like, once I hit that, all my sin, all my secret sin, all my, my worldly stuff, I was, you know, it was money, women, drugs. It was, it was all the stuff that I could fulfill my desires. It just exploded. And I turned into a wild man and, um, you know, was playing hockey and was just playing in the minor leagues, was bouncing around, at the double A level, triple A level over in Europe. You know, I went to training camp with the Ottawa Senators and just didn't do enough to get there. Played two exhibition games, played the year with their minor league team, the Binghamton Senators at like the triple A level, if you know baseball terms. It's called the American Hockey League. And just kind of bounced around and felt like a failure and took all took all those regrets and and just numb myself over with, you know, with the world, with what the world offered, drugs and alcohol and and the chase, you know, and um, it was four years into my pro career. I, I just spent two years over in Europe, just living the life, like partying, playing hockey from the outside and on Instagram and everything. It looked great. Like I was living it up, but inside I was just dead, man. I was spiritually bankrupt and I had nothing. And, and it was half, so that was halfway through my career. 
and I had this resentment in my heart and I was like, man, I, I was so close. I signed an NHL deal. Why didn't I make it? And it, the reality is that, is that I, I was scared to fight. Like, you know, if you know hockey, there's hockey fights and I was made to be a hockey fighter. Like I'm a big dude. I boxed all through my life. I know how to move my hands just because of boxing training. And, but I was scared to fight, you know, you fight, you turn pro and there's some big boys. And it was at that moment, my whole life, everything just collapsed. I had, I'd been chewing tobacco for 11 years, two cans a day, just an addict all in. I had a spot in my mouth that I had to get a biopsy on and had to get it clipped out, biopsy for five days. And at this point I'm an atheist, but I, I said I was an atheist. I was just in rebellion. But at that moment I, I looked up, I remember I looked up at the sky and I was like, if you get me out of this one, if you just get me out of this one. But then I justified it. I was like, well, maybe I was talking to an alien. I wasn't really praying there. And uh, so anyway, I, it turns out that it's negative. I got that, I got that extra, that second chance was able to quit tobacco, which was a huge vice in my life. Just an elephant on my foot athletically for sure. And in every area of my life, I went through this transformation. I call it a metamorphosis. I got in the best shape of my life. I started to get into spirituality and got really deep into the new age and just like pouring into myself. Like at first it was nutrition and health and then it was body. Then I was like, well, I got body, mind. How about spirit? So I start taking in new age stuff and I was into the secret, the law of attraction and magical thinking, some satanic stuff. And, but I was like, this is the truth. There is more. And, and I start manifesting my realities and I'm starting to see hockey success. And I actually, I started fighting. So I was like, I'm going to fight my way to the NHL. And this was already, I was already 29. So that's late in hockey years. And man, I just started at the double A level and I started getting really good at hockey and really good at hockey fighting. and was training hard for both of those all in everything I had got to the triple the A level with the Providence Bruins, the farm team for the Boston Bruins and really established myself there as a, as a legitimate player, a, a legit pro and a legit heavyweight fighter. And uh, after the lockout in 2012, I led the entire earth in fighting majors. I had 41 fights that year, which is pretty ridiculous. Like uh, usually like 15 or 20 is pretty crazy, but 41, it was just all this culminated. And I ended up signing a two year deal with the Boston Bruins, signed this big contract at, at 31, which was unheard of. Got hurt my first year, didn't make it. My second year, I was 32. I was like, this is it. This is my last shot to make the NHL. And I was, I was a machine at this point, and nobody was going to take it from me. I, I could fight anybody. I would fight anybody. I will die for this, you know? And I'd come into camp, make the team out of camp, and became the oldest rookie to ever make an NHL opening day roster at 32 years old. And at this point, I have a wife back in the apartment in Providence, Rhode Island, and a one-year-old baby. And I called her. I said, Samantha, I go, our lives are about to change. They, they announced the opening day roster, made the NHL. And little did I know that that statement that our lives were about to change couldn't have been more true because after three games, I got a career-ending concussion. And my career ended. So I went from the top of the world in the NHL of all-worldly success, what it looks like, Within two weeks, I was in a bottomless pit of drug and alcohol abuse, post-concussion syndrome, depression, suicide, and it lasted for about a year, the symptoms, and I was just under a demonic attack. I had opened myself up through these new age things and occult things, and I was really under demonic attack so much so that um, we were just seeing some, just seeing dark demons, and um, I was like, we need to get our baby baptized. So like, I didn't know anything. I was like, well, we need to get her baptized. Like, something's going on here. And we did. She was one years old. And 
Um, but still I was just kind of into the new age and into the drugs and, and thinking that was the way. And, um, uh, about a year and a half, two years after that, I was just in a pit and couldn't, couldn't come out of this pit and ended out up out in Colorado. And I was just smoking weed out in Colorado, pretty much numbing myself over from morning till night. And I was in a hotel room and I picked up one of these right here. This is my, my little dagger. I keep in my pocket right here, my spirit dagger, uh, the word of God, right? I picked this up and I looked at it and I was like, I don't believe this. I don't believe a word of this stuff. And that Jesus guy, I don't believe any of that. But I was like something, God was working on me obviously. And I was like, why is this so relevant in the world? And uh, I just picked it up. I started reading the gospels, read, read Genesis. And I'm reading about and John about this Jesus guy who was God in the flesh, who, who lived a perfect life that I could never live and took all my sin, all my disgusting, just disgust, took it all in his own body, nailed it to the cross, an innocent man dying the guilty man's death that I deserve and then raising from the dead and saying, Bobby, I offer you everlasting life and forgiveness of all your sins. If you just believe that I did that for you. And I'm like, this is crazy. How could this be true? And God started working on me, put me through this progression where he's like, I'm like, this isn't true. This could be true. Could this be true? Oh man, what does this mean if this is true? This might be true. And all of a sudden I, I was just, I was high out of my mind in the high desert in Colorado. And I went and uh, the blinders were taken off of me. And he's like, this is true. And the first thing I felt was you need to be sober. You haven't been sober since you were 15. You've been an undercover addict and all the stuff where you could do it in the darkness where nobody knows, but, but you can still function as an athlete. And at this point I was just, I was smoking pot all day. And so I went out, I camped out in the wilderness. I, I came back to the hotel. I told my wife, I was like, I, I'm onto something. I'm right there. I got it. I found the secret. I know, I know what I'm so close. I was frantic. I was going nuts. And I had had a track record of two years of just insanity from this, this injury that ended my career and then just drug and alcohol abuse. So I told her, I said, Sam, I'm going out to the woods three days. I just need three days. I'll be back. I just got to figure some stuff out. I left my wife and my daughter in a hotel in Colorado Springs, started driving to the blood of Christ mountain range, the Sangre de Cristo mountain range. I just looked at a map. I was like, that's where I'm going. Started driving there and my wife thought I was going to go kill myself and called my parents said, I, I think Bobby's not coming back. He's, he's lost his mind again and went and went out there and uh, camped out. It's a long story. I ended up getting lost out in the mountains. I had fasted, no food or water. And I'm just reading the Bible. I get lost out in the mountains for, um, I'm out there for the whole day. I'd, I'd gone 24 hours, no food or water. I'm at 8,000 foot elevation. It's October. So it's really cold, but the sun's beating on me and this perfect storm of everything that could go bad happened. And I am passing out of dehydration and exhaustion. I have no idea where I am. I had just picked up a Bible and started walking. I'm like, all right, God, wherever you lead me, I'm going to go sit down. I'm going to read the Bible all day. And he just was leading me. I was singing songs. I was like, this is amazing. I can't believe this is true. And all of a sudden I got turned around. I didn't know where I was. And I was, I was man, I was in trouble. I was going to die out there. I walked up to the top of this mountain. I'm looking around and all I see is trees and I'm hallucinating. And it dawns on me. God, and the, at this time, God's exposing my wicked heart, man. He's just showing me. He's like, this is who you are. Here's the mirror for you, buddy. And because, you know, like I said, I thought I was a good guy my whole life. And I, I realized, I was like, I'm going to die up here. This is how it ends. And I'm going to go to hell. And I, at the top of this mountain, my mountaintop experience that God gave me by his grace, I dropped into the dirt with nothing, nothing I could do to save myself. Couldn't even breathe or move. I was 
puking up foam. I was had exhaustion and I just called upon the name of the Lord. I said, Jesus, I'm just crying and really prayed for the first time. I said, God, I just know you. I, I believe you. I believe in you, Jesus. If you save me, I give my life to you. Let me see my family again. I want to serve you the rest of my life. And after I said that, a ray of light came down over my left shoulder, a ray, man, right down over my left shoulder and shined on a tree at the bottom of the hill. And it was glowing. And I was like, that is where I need to go. And felt it in my heart. I was like, you need to focus on the tree. Keep your focus on the tree. And now that's has so much meaning for me now. It's just keeping my focus on that cross, you know, that tree that Jesus died on for me. And somehow I, I used gravity to get down that hill, just going tree to tree, got to the tree that was the, had the light still shining on it, went behind it, and the path that I had strayed from and went up the mountain was right behind that tree. And I just praised God. I said, all right, Lord, I am yours, but I need to know where I, I don't know where I am. Please get me back to my tent where I have water. And I just said, which way do I go? I had two choices, this way or this way. I just started walking, and it was, that was another ordeal. I was just passing out, going tree to tree. I was like, I need to get to that tree 10 feet up. I'd get to that tree, pass out, wake up. I went around a bend, and my tent was right there, and my water was there, and I ripped everything in the tent, drank water, and had to go to the emergency room for exhaustion, dehydration. So they pumped me with steroids and um, and water, saline, and got me back, and Man, that's, that's uh, most importantly, I, I got pumped filled with the Holy Spirit that day. And that's when I came to faith in Jesus Christ and gave my life to him. Dude, that is yeah. a <laughs> crazy story, man. It's crazy. So, now then, how were you able to, what did you do from that point? I mean, did God start opening doors? Kind of give us, connect the dots to, from that moment to like where you are, what you're doing now. Oh man, did he start opening doors? So I'm, you know, I like, I'm a, you might realize this already. I'm an intense guy. Like I have one speed, you know, and I'm all in whatever it is. I'm all in. If it's hockey fighting, I'm going to fight 40 times a season. If it's drugs, I'm going to do them all day, you know? And if it's Jesus, it's going to be the real deal, you know? And so I just said after a couple months after that, just trying to figure out life, like, what do I do now? Where do I go work? What do I do? I just prayed my wife was praying for me and we, we still had some ups and downs in our marriage. I mean, it's a miracle that we survived our, all these things. And I was praying um, on a beach. My wife was on one end of the beach. She was on her knees. Actually. She was praying that I get a hockey coaching job. And at this point I hated hockey. I had a bad, you know, uh, a bad experience coming out of the game. And I, I hated hockey. I almost burned my hockey gear one night in a fit of rage. I burned a bunch of stuff. I had a big bonfire in the backyard I was like, I'm burning this crap. I hate hockey. And I was having a, a, a fit. And she said, no, she's like, don't burn your gear. It's like sweet NHL Boston Bruins gear, you know? And she's like, don't burn your gear. She was probably thinking she could sell it in a pinch if she needed to. And, but she's like, don't do it. And I was like, all right, I won't burn my gear. Um, so I kept my hockey gear, burned a bunch of stuff. I was just, I was lost still in life, but I, I knew this is true. I was like, this, what do I do? So I was praying. I said, all right, Lord, I give my life to you. What do you want me to do? I will do anything you want. My wife was praying that I get a hockey job. I didn't want, I was like, no, at least don't make it hockey, whatever it is. What's next? What's the new thing? We came back together in the middle of this beach. My phone went ding. I looked at it. I was like, what is this? It says, hey, Bobby, you want to come coach hockey in Spain? I was like, what? I didn't even know there was hockey in Spain. And turns out, I, I, yeah, I just went from ne never coaching to getting a head coaching job in the top pro league in Spain, the Spanish, Spanish National Ice Hockey League. 
just from a text message from an old scout that I, an old NHL scout that I knew who's somehow somebody had mentioned, like, if you ever have an opportunity to think of Bobby, he, he's like, you know, he's looking for an adventure, you know? And I prayed on it. And I'm like, Lord, is this what you want me to do? We went, went to Spain and ended up really, that's the year I grew in the word. I ended up just, just really devouring the word of God and growing in my faith. And, and really, uh, I was like, I want to be in ministry. Like, I want to be doing this. Like, and, and I had a moment one time we were playing against FC Barcelona. You know, the, uh, the football club owns, this, owns the hockey team. We're biggest, biggest game of the year we're playing at FC Barcelona. And we're, we're down two goals. And I'm looking around. I'm the head coach, man. And I'm looking at the guys, looking at the numbers. So I'm like, who do I put out there? And I was just like, I don't care. I go, I don't think any of these guys know the Lord. You know, there's, there's just nothing over there in Spain. It's, it's like post-Christian. It's just an old relic is what the, you know, Christianity is. And it's like, I don't think anybody knows the Lord. Why am I not bold in my faith? And so that's when I started to get bold in my faith that year and was able to witness to some guys. That door closed out of the blue. The, there were some financial troubles. And we came back to Wisconsin and, and I was seeking the will of God. I was like, all right, God, I'm growing. I'm just growing in my word and in my doctrine and, and, in, and in my knowledge. And I'm like, all right, what do you want me to do, Lord? And I, I ended up going on a long fast. I fasted and I was just seeking the Lord. And when that fast ended, it dawned on me and said, I need to go into ministry. And so I was like, I don't know what this means, but I'm, I want to go all in for you. And then same thing, my phone went ding. And it was the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Hockey, FCA Hockey, who I had run into earlier that year. The director said, hey, Bobby, you should come work for us. And I got called into ministry, and that's where I am. I'm in, I'm in uh, FCA Hockey headquarters right now, so over in Alexander, Minnesota. And he called me into ministry, and now it's the craziest thing. I'm coming back into the hockey world and ministering to this hockey world, which is so dark. Uh, but God is making a move in this hockey world. And by the grace of God, he's using me, a wretch like me to do it. So it's pretty cool. Dude, I, I uh, you know, Mike Fisher. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So uh, do you know him personally? Yeah, I was just at a, so a cool thing is uh, we just had this year to, to show you what God's doing in the hockey world. We had this year was the first time in the off season that Christians in the hockey world got together we had this event called The Gathering, which I got called to be on the board of. I had a guy, it's a crazy thing. You talk about doors opening. It was the director from FCA Hockey. He goes, Bobby, I've been praying, and I'm saying, God, who needs to be here? And he keeps putting your name on my heart. And I'm like, all right, dude, I'll be there. And so I'm on the board of this planning committee. And, and yeah, so the first, we just had it this past summer out in Park City. The first time, called The Gathering, it was put on by PAO, uh, Pro Athletes Outreach. They, they're big in the football. They have a lot of football ministry. Uh, football has one it's huge 500 people go there it's this year was their 50th year this year we had the hockey one first year and I think there was maybe 10 players there and but there was ended up like maybe 50 70 people total uh, 10th Avenue North played it was a, like an intimate concert got to know those guys and and yeah Mike Fisher was there so I, I got to got to know him and I knew him before I was at camp when I had signed with Ottawa uh, he was the you know he was a legend there already in Ottawa and I went up there. I was just this young uh, ankle biter looking at that guy. And... <laughs> Dude, I got to have dinner with him and his brother through another contact of mine that's a big fisherman. He had taken them fishermen in Florida, taken them fishing in Florida. And I tell you what, that dude is just such a solid, just humble dude. It's yeah. just, it's amazing. Him and his brother both just oh, good as gold. 
good dudes. Uh, and they're doing some good stuff on the hunting side. Uh, if he yeah, told, I think they have, what is it called? Uh, catching deer. Is that their catching their deers, yeah. 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 Catching deers. Yeah. I, I had a funny, cool. I had a funny story from Mike. He didn't know this. I, I spoke at this gathering and kind of told him my testimony a little bit. I told him when I was at, uh, I was at camp in Ottawa, we were on a plane, you know, like an NHL charter plane. It was unreal. I was a rookie looking around like leather seats, living the life. And all I cared about at this point was star Wars. It was like I, the new star Wars came out and I had like the portable DVD player. We're on the flight. I was like, I'm so excited to watch star Wars. And you know, I'm chewing tobacco. I have no, I'm spiritually bankrupt. And Mike Fisher and another guy were sitting next to me and they were reading some book. It was like, it might've been like the search for significance or something. It was, a, I could, I knew just, I was like, there, it's some spiritual stuff. They're into that God stuff. When they were having this, just incredible conversation. I was kind of eavesdropping on them and it just seemed so foreign to me. I was like, that is crazy that hockey guys would be on a plane and be talking about God. And, but yeah, I mean, years later, so I guess that was 2006, you know, almost 15 years later, I got to tell them, be like, man, you made, you made an impact on me without even knowing it just by walking the walk and a seed was planted that day. I mean like, wow, people are talking about this stuff. And so I was able to tell them that. So it was pretty cool. That is cool, man. That is super cool. So tell me in, uh, you have kids? Yep. I got a six-year-old girl. Six-year-old daughter. Wow. That's yeah. a great age. Yeah. She's um, awesome. What's been your biggest struggle as a father and how did you overcome it? So one of the, one of the struggles that I have raising a six-year-old is I know what the world is. And I've been in the world and I've lived the world and that's terrifying for me as a father. So now I'm like, all right, I'm called to be set apart by God. I'm, I'm called to be in the world, but not of the world. How extreme do I take that? Cause I can go all the way, man. I can get a bunker somewhere, a missile silo and, and it'll just be me and my family bunkered in there. And I'll, man, I'll do that, you know? And as long as I'll just read the Bible, you know, but you know, God's called me as an evangelist to get out there and spread the good news. And, and obviously to, to train up my daughter to prepare her for the world. I don't want her to be hiding out in the woods. I want her to make an impact for the kingdom and, and to do God's will. So my challenge has been, where do I draw the line on things? Where do I draw the line on media? You know, like I came out of, you know, the occult and, and sorcery and all this stuff. So, you know, I, I don't like Disney stuff. So I'm like, you know what? I don't want you watching that. So I, I draw the line on that on that. And I have a little harder line than my wife. She's a little more lenient, but you know, at the end of the day, I make I make the rules in the house, and I'll hear her feedback. But I'm like, you know what? We're getting pure flicks. You know, we're getting pure flicks and super book, and I want you taking in Christian media. So that's you know that's something I I have to say, and and I'm on the extreme of that because then we get when we get together with friends and peers, they're watching Frozen and and things and. I'm like, I'm kind of the, the guy who set apart. I'm kind of like my, how my dad was, you know? And so that's, that's something I'm trying to navigate. I don't want her to be exposed to things, but at the same time, I don't want her to, um, to have it be negatively affecting her where she's going to be, you know, socially inadequate or, or awkward or not feel like she can be with people, you know? Yeah. And you know what, dude, I've got three daughters. And my oldest is 20, 18, and 13. And I've been through the same struggle. It's like that trying to find that balance of allowing them to be an influence in the world and to the friends around them, but not be influenced by it. And, yeah. and 
I've, I've erred on that side of being so over the top. My wife has a good, she's good at balancing me a little bit. Same. <laughs> um, but it is, it's scary. And it's that fear of, of our daughters falling away and the prodigal daughter story, if you will, you know, it's, it's all of that, but I get it, dude. And, and that's, that what is what takes me back to this sense of, okay, Lord, ultimately they are all yours. Hmm. I'm just here for a temporary time period to, to guide and direct them the best way I can. But I have to trust you, uh, especially my two oldest ones that are in college now. It's like, it's like we've done everything we can that we've known how to do. And we've made mistakes and messed up a lot of stuff, but I think we've done a decent job. It's like, okay, hopefully and prayerfully, Lord, they're yours now. And, and so that's hard. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah. But, but, but I say that in the sense, it always brings me back to that place of, okay, God, this is not me. This is all you. Exactly. You know? Amen to that. Yeah. And I've come to that realization too, where um, the coolest thing happened this year, my daughter's six and man, I I'm reading her, I'm reading her the King James Bible every night, you know? So I'll, re I'll read like Timmy the goose and Tommy the frog. And then like, all right, let's, let's get down. Let's read Ephesians tonight. All right. So I'm, I'm, really preaching to her and teaching her these things. And when she sees me in ministry and she has a heart for the Lord, like I'm a big Bible tract guy. I hand out Bible tracts and I'm a member of the uh, pocket Testament league. It's a, it's a ministry. I don't know if you're familiar, they hand out the gospel of John. Um, so it's a, it's a tract with the gospel of John little booklet. I love handing these out. She hands them out. She loves it. And I've, I've just been going over the gospel with her and she understands it. And I'm like walking her through it. I'm like, okay, do you, you understand that Jesus died for you and that he took your place on that cross and you really believe that he rose from the dead. And she's like, yeah, of course. And she believes it. And so, yeah, at six years old, about a month ago, she accepted Christ, which is pretty amazing. That's awesome. And she's, you know, now it's just going to be nurturing that. I know God's got her. And like you said, God is in control of it, you know, and he's using me to shepherd her and as her father, but at the end of the day, I know she's okay. Whether she strays, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring her up right. And so hopefully she doesn't depart from the faith. But at the same time, there's a rest that I feel and a peace that I feel. She believes it, you know, and she, if you profess with the mouth, your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And she called upon the name of the Lord. And I, you know, it was the real deal. It was a special time. And, and so God's got her. She's, she's a daughter of God. And and now I just got to nurture that and always be there. If she does go, if she strays to be there when she comes back, like, like the prodigal son, but you know, hopefully train her up. So she never does. And I just want to, I want her to know the truth. I want her to be biblically sound. That's where I, I was brought up in the church, but I didn't know anything about the Bible. I'm reading this now. I'm like, this is mind blowing stuff, you know? So I, I want to really keep stressing that and, and getting her in the word. And just, I just, every night I'm just reading it to her, you know, and, the word of God never returns void. So it's doing something and fruit has already been shown through that Dude, in her life. You know what? And it sounds like you're such a, you're in your sweet spot, right? It, what, the funny, crazy thing is NHL, everything that that's been leading up to this point, right. And the testimony, what the story God's given you 
ultimately is all leading up has led up to this point in your life because you're in your sweet spot now being able to share the gospel with guys in your sport where you've been there you've done that all of that right it's amazing i mean so my my position here is i'm the director of pro and college ministry so i'm i'm working with i talked to an nhl guy last night for three hours on the phone just answering questions and 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 the holy spirit's just equipping me because he's given me he's given me a hunger for his word so like every every question i'm like oh i know where that i know a scripture for that i i have an answer for that and i'm praying for that i'm like lord use me let me be able to help these men because there's so much deception out there and and the devil is prowling around man like a roaring lion looking to devour these guys and looking to devour us and so i'm like man, i hated hockey i don't want anything to do with it and god has prepared me he let me play pro hockey he let me be in the nhl so that i can lead people to christ in the hockey world and he's putting me in front of people and he gave the testimony I just shared with you. Now, you know, hundred thousands of people are going to hear this through your podcast because let's, let's, uh, let's say millions of people are going to hear this <laughs> your podcast as your podcast gets blessed more and more. And it's all God's hand on it. And that was all his plan, man. He had me pre prepared for these good works before the foundation of the world, just like you, man. Dude, it's just it cool. is is it not that's the thing for me it's mind-blowing sometimes you know we were very fortunate we did the movie the father effect and then we got a, a book deal and everything and it's just like you know i joke with my wife or my wife jokes with me she's like how did you get a book deal i'm i have to edit your emails <laughs> you know she's like and, and anybody who knows me i'm the biggest knucklehead there is and yet god still in some way because of his amazing grace has used me in some small way. And it's just, it, to me, it just stirs my soul, man, to know God's out there doing his thing with people's stories like yours, just being able to share with other men. And you're not alone. You're not the only jacked up dude. You're not the only struggling with this and that and everything else. And so that's why I think, you know, a story like yours is so powerful that guys can connect with and relate to and know man, I'm not alone. There's guys just like me out there struggling every day, but the game changer is God, right? Exactly. And I think for me growing up, I thought I always pictured like the religious as like, they're, they're so perfect and they're so high and Pharisees. Mighty. The Pharisees. Yeah. Thank. I'm glad I'm not like that tax collector. Right <laughs> now I'm that guy. I'm that tax collector beating on my breast saying, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, and so I'm really open and transparent in my ministry, especially talking to hockey guys, man, they can sniff out BS in an instant, you know, and they're not going to let you in unless you've done it. And that's why God's prepared me for this. Cause I'll, I'm like, man, I've been there here. You can put my name in YouTube. You're going to see some violent stuff on there. And so he, he uses me in that ministry now to, to go back and minister into that world. And so for me to be transparent and say, man, I'm in the ministry, man. I'm a missionary, a man of God. And guess what? I struggle with depression and I worry. I'm like, do I have CTE? Because sometimes I get suicidal, man. And, you know, I fall back into sin too. Here, here's some testimonies of what I've done and how God pulled me out of that and showed me just incredible grace, you know, and here's me just beating on my breast saying, Lord, have mercy on me. And, and being, I can't believe you would use a guy like me. You know, if you could see my thought life, I can't believe it. 
You know, I can't believe you would put me on this father effect podcast, Lord, to share my story. You know, Dude, and you know what? There's actually a great book. I don't know if you've read it. Called, it's uh, Brennan Manning. Have you ever read any of Brennan Manning stuff? I haven't. No. Oh, bro. I got to write it there, down. There's a book called All is Grace. Ooh, nice. And the other one is uh, The Ragamuffin Gospel. He has introduced me down. to grace, bro, in a way that I never, I couldn't, I don't think I ever really understood grace hmm. until I read some of his stuff. And it's like, oh, uh, you talk about a testimony too, dude. So as we wrap up, tell me if a dad's sitting in front of you, what's the one piece of advice you'd give him that would be a game changer for him? I would tell a dad sitting in front of me, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things your job, your career, your family, how you're supposed to do this will be added to you. Make that your number one priority and find out how God wants you to raise a family, how he wants you to be a husband, how he wants you to be a father and seek it out. Dig through the Proverbs and get wisdom. The Bible says that if you lack wisdom, ask for wisdom, right? And I've been, that's what I've been doing. I'm like, I don't know it. The more I learn and the more I know, I was like, I don't know anything. I'm supposed to be navigating this, my ministry, my career, and my family. I don't know anything. I thought I knew everything, but God has shown me what I know. And I'm like, I don't know anything. God, give me wisdom. Give me discernment. Give me insight. Give me the power to lead this family. And give me the strength to do it and the endurance to live this out. And let me just know your truth, Lord. And just please sh keep showing me your grace. Grace is receiving that which is undeserved, right? And man, I don't, I don't deserve to be blessed to have this incredible wife and this incredible daughter and this wonderful family and all this stuff. Man, I know what I deserve. And but God shows me grace every day I wake up. And that's what I tell a father every day, wake up and know why you're alive. God's kindness is to lead you to repentance and he has a plan for you and find out what that is and walk in it. And that's where you're going to find joy when you, when you align yourself with God's will, anything else, you're going to be disappointed. And it's about, and I can see this in you, bro, humility. It's walking in that For humility, sure. right? And what God has done in your life and appreciating and understanding that on a daily basis that, man, I think about where I could be. <laughs> you know? In a ditch, man, just in a ditch. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that humility. And in the past, I would get, speaking on grace, I would get kind of upset about a thought I'd have, or I'm battling different sins. And if I fall back, and I'm like, now those just remind, those are just reminders of, of how much grace God shows me. I, I'm not going to go on sinning, uh, sinning because grace abounds. You know, Paul says, by no means, you know, but I'm fighting it. I, I'm waging war with my flesh, and I fall short all the time. And those are just reminders now. I'm like, wow. I'm still alive. God's given me another day. What incredible grace, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. And so I've reached a point now we're, we're going through in my pro ministry where I, I do these, um, like we, we meet, uh, meet on Zoom actually. So I'm familiar with this software here and uh, we, we meet every other week pro guys and we're, we're going through the search for significance and we just went over chapter four and it was, it was about justification and how I'm justified with my faith in Christ. And I came to a realization just last week that God, that I am fully pleasing to God. I'm fully pleasing to God, not because of anything I do good or bad. Like I'm trying to do a lot of good, you know, but 
I'm fully pleasing to him because Jesus is fully pleasing to him. And he was obedient even to death on a cross. And because God is fully pleased in his son, he's like my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Because he's pleased in his son, and because I believe on Jesus Christ, I believe on the Lord Jesus, I'm covered in that righteousness. And that's how God sees me. And so when I like, I'm like, man, I'm a wretch, what a wretched man I am. I'm like, and God sees me as the perfection and righteousness and holiness of his son, Jesus Christ. It blows my mind, man. I'm like, thank you for your grace, Lord. Just let me walk in this. Let me walk it out. So that's, that's where I've come. That's what God's been showing me as I've been growing and developing in my faith. And it's a really cool place to be. And now to be able to share that with people who might be, you know, saying, Oh man, where am I at? You know, I, how could God ever love me? That's when I get a lot because these guys have done bad things, man. Just like me, just like us in the hockey world, they've done bad stuff. And they're like, how could God ever love me? I'm like, because that's what God does. He loves the unlovable and saves the unsavable. Amen, brother. Dude, I'm going to have to have you come back. Cause I love anytime brother. <laughs> Let's chat, man. We could do, we could go on a marathon here. Put in a three hour marathon. Dude, I love it, man. <laughs> Dude, I appreciate you. I know you're busy, got a lot going on, but dude, keep keep just doing what you're doing, man. God's I know gonna bless it, continues to bless it, and and man, it's just it's an honor to have you today, having this conversation with you. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And if any anybody wants to sync up with me, uh, I'd love to hear from you, especially hockey guys. But I'm in it, God's place in all kinds of different people in my life, fathers, anyone. Um, I yeah, tell, tell guys how they can reach out to you. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, I'm in hockey ministry with FCA hockey, the fellowship of Christian athletes hockey, but I'm open to, to anyone. I, I pray all the time, every day on, on the way to work. I'm like, all right, Lord, use me, bring people to me. And he's putting them in front of me. And every time it's like, Oh, this person's dealing with X, Y, and Z. I'm like, Oh, that's why I dealt with that. And it's just been amazing what God's doing. So if you want to link up with me, social media, you can find me at Bobby Robbins pro at Bobby Robbins Pro, B-O-B-B-Y-R-O-B-I-N-S Pro. That's a standard across all social media. And you can go to bobbyrobbins.com on there and you can actually find out how to join my team. So as a, as a member of FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I'm a domestic missionary. So I always, once I got saved, I had a heart for missions. I was like, I'm going to go to Zimbabwe, man. I'm going. I just want to drop it all and just go. And that's the heart I had. And all of a sudden God said, you're called to be a missionary, but you're going to hockey country in the middle of the prairie in Minnesota. <laughs> Man, you can't see out there, but it is freezing out there right now. So he called me onto this mission field to minister to the hockey world and to lead this hockey world to Jesus Christ. And so I'm a missionary. You can find out how to join my team. I raise all my own funds for that. And God has blessed this ministry. And if you want to be a part of it, it would be a blessing and we can all be blessed and be a blessing together. So you can find out how to support me there. Um, other than that, at Bobby Robbins Pro, hit me up on social media. Totally makes sense that FCA hockey would be in Minnesota. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're we're right in the prairie. We we have a huge high. I wish you could see it. You got to come here. We'll put you on some skates, John. We have a huge hockey rink here with a giant twenty foot tall cross on it, an FCA cross. This is a Christian hockey rink with a chapel in it. This Sunday wow. we have a public tournament. I'm running a chapel service. I'm telling my testimony and, and worshiping for the public. And so we have a chapel here. The first thing you see, you look up, there's a beautiful chapel with a huge wooden cross on it. Out front, we have a cross. We have a 
we run a Christian men's school here. It's a, pretty much a hockey training school of legit hockey training and the real deal born again, spirit training in Jesus Christ. So a lot of cool things happening here in Alexandria, Minnesota and in the hockey world. And I'm just blessed to be a part of it. Just trying to be faithful to the call, man. Thanks dude. That's awesome. I appreciate you, man. We'll reconnect here soon. For sure, brother. I appreciate it. And that is it for another episode of the father effect podcast. Hey, don't forget to check out the father effect movie at thefathereffect.com. Remember, Your life is your legacy, and what you do and say every day is impacting your family and the generations to come. Thanks for listening to the Father Effect Podcast with John Finch. Please subscribe and leave a comment, too. To find out more, go to thefathereffect.com. That's thefathereffect.com.